What? Okay. So <laughs> I'm live. I don't know if this broadcast is being recorded. What's up? Um, because uh, apparently I'm out of storage space and it just told me that. So it is, it's okay. It's uh, I'll figure it out. It's going to be on the YouTube. So I'll just, I'll steal it from there if I have to. How's everybody doing today? Uh, as you can see, I'm rolling solo today. Woo, woo, woo. Um, thank you for coming through. Um, and I, I'm glad you're ready for another great show because it's going to be a great show. We have a great guest on today. Uh, MJ has some things that she has to take care of today and is not able to be here, but that's okay. Um, because we're going to, we're going to roll solo. We can do this. It's fine. Um, uh, I'm going to give you guys the disclaimer before we get started. Uh, and then, uh, we'll get rolling into, I, you know, I got show notes. It's, it's fine. <laughs> uh, it is about that time you are about to get highly educated with the Cannabis Closet Podcast with Canna Queen and MJ. This is an adult content show with no limitations on subject, language, or actions. Opinions, views, and expressions may or may not be that of the hosts, their subsidiaries, and guests. If you are not sure, don't worry, we'll tell you. Or you can just take a good look at our faces. They usually tell you before we say it out loud. Uh, it is time to get this session started. So thanks for rolling up and showing up. And I hope you enjoy the show. You will. Don't worry. I'm, it's, it's fine. You're going to love it. Um, hi, everybody. Oh, my gosh. Look at all the people in the comments already. Uh, so, hey, everybody. Thanks for being here. Thanks for joining us. Let me light this up real quick. It is for... 20 almost 422 so it's fine I'm, I'm right on time um today we have uh, a guest from oregon uh marianne uh cursity cursity i think that's how you pronounce it i'm going to bring her on uh momentarily but first you know i got to get through all the show notes and stuff uh mj is here in the comments if y'all want to holler uh she's on the facebook comments and um she can, you know, see the show so I can post some of y'all's comments up here too. And so let's get started. Uh, boop, boop, boop. Uh, so we've done the show intro. We're all good on that. I want to tell you why I'm mad today. I thought that I did not have a reason to be mad today. And usually the reason that I'm mad has to do with some like cannabis leaning thing. But actually today, um, I'm mad because, um, Social, first of all, social media can kiss my whole ass uh, for kicking me off of all my platforms. <laughs> um, so I have been silenced on Facebook for several days now. I still have two more days left in uh, my silence chamber. I'm not allowed to speak or like or share anything right now because apparently I'm a bully and also threatening. You got that right, Facebook. Go ahead and call me threatening. I'm not going to be upset about that. Um, so, so that happened. And then also I can't go live right now on TikTok because they heard my torch lighter again. You know, I got to be more careful. But here's the real reason. I mean, seriously. But here's the real reason why I got in trouble on Facebook. Uh, the, the conversation declined quickly when I defended women's right to body hair. Uh, so I follow a Gen X page and, uh, we're relatively apathetic as a generation goes. We don't really generally speaking care about very much. Uh, we kind of grew up raising ourselves and our siblings and I didn't have any siblings. I just raised me and my dogs, but whatever. But, you know, that's, that's generally how we, we grew up. Um, our parents, uh, had, you know, three and four jobs. And so we were called latchkey kids and we just kind of took care of ourselves. And generally speaking, we just don't care what, uh, you know, whatever is, is the motto of our generation. Yeah, whatever, you know, so color me shocked when I get onto this page and I see that there's an article about how uh, women are embracing their body hair and they're not shaving and et cetera. Um, full disclosure, this is not a practice that I partake in. I shave. I enjoy shaving or waxing. I enjoy the feeling of that. 
part of it is because I've been told that that's what I'm supposed to do. But part of it is also like, I enjoy it. I've been doing it for so long. That's, that's just how I'm comfortable and that's fine. But also body hair. Thank you, Marla. Thanks for being here too. Um, also like, so what if my body hair grows out? So what? It's natural. Like ha it happens. So the comment section was full of men and women calling it disgusting, lazy, and my favorite, unhygienic. And so I just came through to point out that none of these characteristics are used to describe your average man. You're not called unhygienic, generally speaking, because you have body hair. You're not called lazy, generally speaking, because you don't shave that body hair. You're not called gross, generally speaking, but you are gross, but you are not called gross, generally speaking, because you have body hair. It is a thing you are allowed to do and allowed to have without stigma. And I was just pointing out that the generation of whatever really should not give a shit whether or not a woman wants to grow body hair if it doesn't directly affect them at all. Like you're not going to date that woman because that's not something that turns you on. That's cool. You're allowed your preferences in that arena. Okay. But don't call somebody gross and unhy unhygienic was my, like, I was like, what are you talking about right now? There's like, that doesn't mean that they don't bathe. That just means that they don't have a razor in their shower. Like it's, what are you talking about right now? So I was saying that in several of the comments, right? And just like, you know, combating the 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 commentary back at me, calling me gross because I must be one of them. You know what I'm saying? Like, who cares? What Does it affect you if I have body hair at all? I want to grow a beard personally. I wish that it was uh that it was socially acceptable and also genetically usually possible for women to bust out a full ass beard i would fucking i would fucking have the i would have a better beard than than all of y'all than all of y'all men i would like in the winter time that sounds so fantastic i just Okay. So, and then I don't have to pluck these fucking things out of my chin either. They could just be there. They could just be there, you know, and you know what? Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I appreciate you, Gen Z and any generation that embraces this young millennials also embrace this, uh, generally speaking as, as generally generationally. Um, I love it. I love it. I've seen women embrace their unibrow and their facial hair and they just let it grow and they're beautiful. They're gorgeous. They're beautiful. I, I love it. And uh, I wish I had your courage uh, for sure. Hands down. I, I pluck these bitches out my face every day and uh, and and my eyebrows, too. I there's zero percent chance that I'm trying to have a unibrow. I'm not going to do it. Um, but that's because I'm insecure. <laughs> um, so there's that. Uh, so that's why I'm mad today. And that's why I got kicked off of Facebook. The conversation, uh, deescalated very quickly. And, um, this grown ass woman started coming at me in a, like trying to be personal about it. You know what I'm saying? And at some point I was just like, don't be a stupid bitch. I didn't actually directly call her a stupid bitch, but you know, the algorithm in the comments got me and, uh, they, <laughs> they said, I'm not allowed to speak on Facebook anymore. <laughs> so, so, so that's, that's what, that's what's going on. And that's why if you're on Facebook, by the way, that's why I haven't liked or commented or shared anything of your stuff is because I can't, I can't even share, uh, things into a private message. Uh, I've tried to share several things in a private message and a lot of it doesn't go through for me. It's very frustrating. Um, so Facebook can suck it. And, um, if you want to have body hair and, uh, you're a woman or a man who, and you're, or you're a man that doesn't want to have body hair, do whatever the fuck you want with your body, body autonomy. That's what I'm for. Um, so, uh, let's see what, 
what's the next thing? Oh, I have some, um, some women's history and some black history for us today. I, I actually found something just kind of doing a general search about black history month and how it became a thing. So I figured I would just talk a little bit about that today and then we're going to bring our guest on. Uh, so, uh, Black History Month, as you know, is is a celebration of achievements by African Americans, and it's a time to recognize the central role uh, in their in U.S. history. Uh, I feel like we've come a long way. We still got a long way to go. Uh, it's you know the whole ridiculous um, conversations that that are had around this particular subject is mind blowing. Um, the event grew out of Negro History Week, the brainchild of a noted historian, Carter G. Woodson, and other prominent African-Americans. Uh, and it has been celebrated as a month since 70, 1976, um, and every U.S. president has officially designated the month of February Black History Month. Um, so, let's see. The, Black History Month actually begins in 1915, half a century after the 13th Amendment abolished slavery in the United States. Uh, that, September, that September, a Harvard-trained historian named Carter G. Woodson, uh, the prominent minister Jesse E. Moreland, founded the Association for the Study of Negro Life and History, an organization dedicated to researching and promoting achievements by Black Americans and other people of African descendant, descendants. Um, Known today as the Association for the Study of African American Life and, and History, the group sponsored a National Negro History Week in 1926, choosing the second week of February. Um, this is the reason to coincide with the birthdays of Abraham Lincoln and Frederick Douglass. So as kind of like a joint celebration there. Uh, the event inspired schools and communities nationwide to organize local celebration and establish history clubs and host performances and lectures. In the decades that followed, mayors of cities across the country had begun issuing yearly proclamations for Negro History Week by the late 1960s, thanks in part to the civil rights movement and growing awareness of uh, Black identity. Negro History Week had evolved into Black History Month. Uh, on many college campuses. And then President Gerald Ford officially recognized Black History Month in 1976, calling upon the public to seize the opportunity to honor the too often neglected accomplishments of Black Americans in every area and endeavor throughout our history. Um, so this is all, I got this all on the History Channel too. So this is where... Um, this is where Black History Month began and where it started. And you guys already know how I feel about like necessary, established, um, uh, I don't know, causes, days, situations. You know, like, you know how I feel about um, about social equity clauses, for example, in, in regulations. I feel like we shouldn't need them, right? We shouldn't need to have like a black history month. We should learn about every, about American history, which also includes black history. Black history is American history and it's world history too. Right. So, so, but because that history is still and has always been neglected, uh, we have to have a special month. Uh, the reason that month was chosen was because of uh, the choosing of when when it was celebrated as a week. It was chosen uh, in those birthdays and then it turned into that's the month that was chosen to to celebrate. So that's a little black history for you um, about Black History Month and why it came to fruition. Um, and I invite you to learn more about that. Uh, I got that on the History Channel now. Let us introduce our guest, Marianne. I'm going to bring her on right now. Hello. Hey there. How are you? I'm fantastic. Your sound is impeccable. It's fantastic. It's great in, in my ear right now. So, um, so glad to have you on. How have you been today? Doing fabulous. Awesome. Um, can you introduce yourself to our audience and tell us a little bit about yourself? 
Yeah, my name is Marianne Kersigi. Um, You don't need to worry about saying my last name properly. It's okay. I'll, I'll answer to almost everything. Um, just ask my kids. Hey, you. Um, <laughs> exactly right. So uh, I live in Oregon and I own Alibi Cannabis. We're an indoor cultivation facility and brand out of Oregon. And super stoked to be here chatting with you today. Super stoked to have you. I'm going to read this impressive bio. Um, you have you have done so much, and uh, man, I we're going to get into it. But let me <laughs> let me read uh, this bio so just kind of give uh, our audience an idea of of who we're talking to. Um, she is a three time founder and CEO. Uh, she brings 20 years of governance consulting, PL financial oversight, digital marketing, e-commerce, and deep expertise of operating and scales, scaling a business, uh, leading it through a successful ex exit. Uh, she is a cannabis expert in cultivation, regulations, and compliance. Uh, she provides expertise in successfully navigating the market uh, challenges in a, a very highly regulated industry. I mean, an every space that we're in and you're in Oregon. Is that correct? Yep. Yes. Yeah, so, so we're going to learn a little bit about what's going on in Oregon today. Uh, she is the CEO and co-founder of Alibi Cannabis. It's a self-funded top shelf cannabis company. It's uh, building it from the inception to a market leader in Oregon. She developed the business strategy operations, commercialized uh, and commercializations and systems while adapting market fluctuation and, um, she recruited high caliber team, produced handcrafted cannabis in that facility and established high tech indoor cultivation facility uh, and has reputable vendors to back her up. Uh, she is uh, a cannabis thought leader. I love I love that phrase. I love it. Uh, or that that um, moniker. I love it. Um she shares a vast network of industry associations and experts cultivated while, uh, while influencing policies, rules, and laws and improving quality. Uh, she's a do, she is a due diligence committee member at Arcview Collective Fund, evaluating and investing in seed cannabis and ancillary businesses. Um, she serves as a pitch force judge advising companies on pitching their business and raising capital. Um, do you work exclusively in cannabis for that? Or is that just like, uh, like you do that for any company that comes through with you on that? I'm on the cannabis panel. So pitch yeah. for pitch, pitch force is bigger than just cannabis, but I'm only right. on the, the you're on the panel. cannabis panel. Yeah. I was just Correct. curious yeah. about that. It's very interesting. Yeah. Um, at the Oregon cannabis association, she guides policy, builds market relationships and increases, uh, political representation, with other leading experts uh, as a rules advisory committee member for the Oregon liquor and cannabis control. She advances market growth and advises on rule changes. Um, this is, there's so much more, um, but I'm going to stop right there because I want to talk about um, how much you impact the industry. We talk about this on a regular, the reason I'm stopping is because we talk about this on a regular basis about how being involved is so, so important. And you are so involved in what's going on in Oregon. You are so involved that you are helping make policy changes that are going to be help the business owners and the community that uses, consumes, grows, and has businesses in cannabis. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I was getting exhausted just listening to you list off all those things, but it's, um, it's sure a ton of fun. And I am really grateful to be at a place where, um, where I'm able to, to leverage my experience and my expertise and hopefully make the industry better and easier for those coming, coming up in it. Um, I wish more cannabis uh, owners and b business owners were doing the things that you're doing. I know it's very exhausting. Uh, we, <laughs> we were trying to connect and get, make this happen um, because my schedule and MJ's schedule has been so hectic as well. So, so being a business owner just in general is very exhausting. You wear so many hats as a business owner, but then you also use your time to help uh, create a better industry for yourself as a business owner and also for yourself as a consumer, as a patient. 
Um, and not a lot of, uh, cannabis business owners do that. Um, I, I think more people need to bring their voice into the room like that. Uh, what, 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 um, what got you here? Where, where, where did this journey begin for you? And then, and then how did we get here where you're just so involved um, that like you, like they, they're making laws and you're like, mm, let's, you know, yeah. I want like, that's the involvement we want to have. Right. Yeah, for sure. So um, in terms of how I got here, it depends how much time we have and how far you we want to go back. <laughs> all the time you want. Uh, we can go back as far as you want, or we can start wherever you want in the story. Um, but you have a, a great story and I, and we would love to hear it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So briefly um, my professional experience, I, um, my undergrad degree was in accounting. I got my MBA. I was very traditional, um, was raised very conservatively, never used weed at all when I was growing up. Um, so it just wasn't part of the culture. Um, very traditional kind of business experience. That's what I was doing for years and years. And in 2015, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. And that's what completely changed my life and brought me to this amazing industry and the amazing plant. Um, a friend of mine had given me some RSO and introduced me to this whole underground, crazy medical support system of people who are like helping people out for free and like just sharing their knowledge and sharing their products. Like, Hey, this will help you feel better. It's medicine. And that completely changed my thoughts. My, like my whole perspective. I'm like, Oh wow, this is medicine. And mm -hmm. thank you. So, so this business was founded in that, that gratitude for, for how we got here as an industry, for how we got here as a culture. And like, wow, this is really cool to be this time, this place today and um, trying to, trying to build a business out of it. Right. Um, yeah. So, so I'm so glad that you got introduced to RSO. It is one of the best medicines out there on the market. Um, it can treat uh, just uh I like to do this, you know, full disclosure and warning. I am not a doctor. We are not doctors. I'm not speaking from that perspective. I'm speaking from the evidence that we see of what RSO has done for people, has put stage four cancer patients into remission. It does happen if, you know, it can happen. We don't promise a cure ever in cannabis. I always say that when I'm speaking to patients. We don't ever promise a cure, um, but cannabis does cure. We've mm -hmm. seen it. We've seen it happen. You're living proof that this yeah. happened. Yeah. Um, so you went from being a medical patient and then um, you live in a legal state uh, where there is both medicinal and uh, adult use legalization there now. You guys also have legalized um, psilocybin. Is that right? You legalize all drugs. Yeah, it's a whole Oregon's this whole like weird thing. But yeah, psilocybin is actually so they've they've um decriminalized possession of small amounts of any drug, which you know we could have conversations about what that actually means on the street. But but you know, talking about psilocybin, starting in January, they're gonna be issuing licenses um for people to grow psilocybin and have psilocybin treatment centers. So you could go like, let's say you have PTSD or depression or whatever. There's going to be people who are trained and work through a session. I'm like, wow, that's really cool oh, to be. So exciting. Yeah. I'm really excited about that. I mean, what, I mean, that sounds crazy. Um, I understood the premise and I'm actually kind of all for it, uh, for legalizing all substances because I was actually just having this conversation um, briefly with my sister, but also with my husband the other day about how um, drug addiction isn't, isn't the crime. The crime isn't drug addiction. So if you are getting, you know, if you're getting, uh, if you're pulled over and you're under the influence, that is the crime. Okay. Mm -hmm. But if you are not, uh, suspected of being under the influence and they happen to, excuse me, excuse me. we, we had a doorbell. Um, 
but generally speaking, if you are like not driving a vehicle and you're under the influence, you're that's not a crime. That that shouldn't be a crime. Like mm-hmm. addiction shouldn't be a crime. So I understand like the premise of that. Uh, but we also, hey, can, can I? Thank you. But we also have to have, um, you know, uh, support systems in place, um, clean use centers, uh, uh, counseling, all, all of those things have to be in place to make that a working uh, project, you know. Yeah, for sure. And it's it's actually really interesting to look at the statistics. Um, I've been doing a, um, a lot of research for a class that, I'll, that I'm developing for a university in New York City. So I'm teaching a cannabis class in their new bachelor's program, which is super exciting. But as part of that, we're bringing in um, statistics and data about how we got here in cannabis. And, you know, I always have known about the disparate... Um, uh, how disparate black and brown people are treated compared to white people in terms of cannabis enforcement. And you, you know what you're talking about, like a traffic stop, let's say it's just a regular traffic stop. You were speeding, you blew through a stoplight, whatever, something really minor, but yet you introduce um, drugs to that and it changes the whole trajectory of that stop. And um, you know, so I'm for decriminalizing in terms of that. But what we've seen in Oregon is the fact that, um, like you were talking, the treatment centers are not are not there yet. So it's like they decriminalized right. it without having the foundation. Right. So we end up with tent cities at just everywhere and it's and property crimes and just it's disgusting. Yeah. So like philosophically, I'm there with you, but like culturally, I don't think we're quite ready for it. Right. I almost feel like I don't know if 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 Oregon would necessarily do this, but I almost feel like it's a little self-sabotaging, right? Because we see statistics um, out of other countries where this worked, this Mm -hmm. absolutely worked to bring down crime, to bring down addiction rates, to bring down death from overdose rates. This absolutely worked, but they had the foundation in place before they said, okay, here it is, right? Um, and if you don't have, like what you said, if you don't have that, it's going to be a whole shit show, um, which sounds like what's happening. Um, so that was an interesting detour, but let's like, (laughs) (laughs) you said, just be real. So we're, we're it's my fault. It's my fault. I do this all the time. We were going to, we can talk about anything and everything. I really, we really can. Um, so since we're talking about laws in, in Oregon, can we talk about, um, the, how, what how the cannabis laws have affected the industry out there. Um, because, uh, what, what I know is, is relatively basic about Oregon. So I know that, uh, um, we are, that we've legalized out there for medicinal and adult use. I know that there is an, an abundance of, uh, flour, right now. And I know that they do have export laws in place for when it is federally legal and we can import export across state lines. Um, Those are the three main things that I know. Um, I, you know, I, I feel like they're relatively um, not lax, but like generally speaking, their cannabis laws are pretty much across the board similar. Uh, But like, yeah, tell us more about that. Yeah, so Oregon's a really interesting place to be in the cannabis space. Um, We're really fortunate in that there are some amazing farms. We've got amazing genetics. Um, You know, in terms of the best cannabis in the world, you know, there's people who are going to fight for it. You know, California is certainly the Emerald Triangle, like that's the legacy of it. But we have amazing growers, amazing farms in Oregon. You know, we're just one, we're relatively small, but if you take our flower and compare it to flower from, I don't know, Arizona, just making something up, not trying to malign any certain person or, or farm, but you know, ours is the standards in Oregon are just so much higher because people have gotten so used to top, really top quality. Yeah. So, um, so good product. We're definitely there, but I, the I other- agree. I've had some of your products from out there. It's very good. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing. Um, But then the other thing that we have is because there is such an abundant supply and we really are 
a producer state. There just isn't enough consumption. There aren't enough people using everything that we grow. And right. so what that leads to is that leads to people selling it in the black market and that leads to low prices, which yeah. is really bad for business because right. the whole reason we're doing spending all this time on compliance and all of this work trying to follow the rules and to do it right is so that we can sell in the regulated market. Right. And um, then to have other people undercut us and do black market deals and, um, you know, just paying dirt prices for, for top quality weed. It's just not a, it's not a way to, to build a thriving business and a thriving industry. Right. So that's why we're working. So um, I was part of a team. We worked on um, really advocating for that, um, at the legislature. So starting in January, they passed a rule that there's not going to be any more producer life, any more licenses issued, which is that, is that why, is that why there's an overbun? Cause they've just, they've allowed too many producers and, and those producers haven't necessarily failed, but they are probably doing some backdoor dealing with their abundance of flour, which leads to underground market uh, providing it at a cheaper rate and, mm -hmm. It yeah. doesn't always happen. Y'all don't go to Missouri and expect a cheaper rate. Uh, well, I guess they're cheaper than the dispensaries, but it is, is expensive. Yeah, for sure. And that's exactly what happened. Um, you know, Oregon has a, a very, um, the, the whole philosophy was cheap license fees and anybody could get a license. That right. was What are the licensing fees out there? Um, for, everyone's different, but mine is $6,000 a year. Okay. So, you know, that's Do really- they base that like on- do they, what do they base that on? If you said everybody's different, um, for for um, production, it's based on how large of a canopy. Oh, you got have. you. So got you. I yes, have, I do remember that. Yeah, so I have the the most the highest tier, so I could grow. You know, my canopy's the in the in the top tier. That's you know, still so, very. That's still a very good uh, licensing fee in mm -hmm. comparison to what other states are charging. Oh yeah. I mean, it's, it's affordable, which was, which was the whole point. They wanted people to get into the industry. Right. But then what happened is, you know, where we are today, six, seven, eight years later, there's just way too many people in the business and, and a lot of people are going out of business this year, which is unfortunate for them, but it means that hopefully those of us who are sticking it out can, you know, build a thriving yeah. business. I think, um, so Oklahoma is doing something similar. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that the, the goal was not to be, you know, so far in, but to be like, you know, you thrive or you don't, don't thrive. Here it is. Everybody can get in. But also, I mean, I guess this is an argument for also having maybe some limitations on the number of licensing uh, that are licenses that are allowed, or maybe, I don't know, but you know, cause for me, I'm, I'm like, yeah, free market, see who survives. Right. But, but also if they don't, if, you know, some of those places aren't, aren't going to let go as in their third, in their third year, so yeah. to speak. Right. Then you have an overabundance, which is, so do you think that's what's uh, just your opinion? What do you think is going to happen in Oklahoma? I don't know. Um, I'm not really too plugged into the Oklahoma market. I know it's kind of the wild west. Yes, so, it is. Um, <laughs> I, mm -hmm. I, I think eventually, I mean, we have to get federally either federal legalization or interstate commerce because right. um, if we could export from Oregon, like, let's just say we could then, then people wouldn't have to spend the capital to build the infrastructure required to produce top quality cannabis. We just ship them our weed and, it saves money. It makes the whole industry more efficient. Right. And that's what's going to be necessary to really level up. And, you know, now it's just, it's too difficult. And, um, you know, unfortunately that's where we are. Yeah. I'm all for free markets too, but the reality is, is we're not in a free market because I can only sell to Oregon and Oregon's a, that's true. Remote, that's a, a good small point. state. You know, it's a small right. state. Right. And if you can't, yeah. And if you're, and if you're just, there's just that abundance and you can't get it out of there. I agree with you on that. Um, I think that we should definitely have some interstate commerce at minimum. I mean, obviously we want decriminalization and legalization. Um, we want cannabis uh, pulled. Well, I want, I don't want to speak for everybody, but <laughs> I want cannabis pulled off of the schedule. Yep. Um, 
But yeah, I mean, just like if we could do that, then we would have uh, next is uh, out in the in the east. Right. Mm -hmm. And and there's East Coast states that are having shortages because some of their laws, you know, require their their regulations are so tight that they can't that they end up with these shortages. Right. And then they can't service their community. Um, so wouldn't it be great if they could import it from another state, a neighboring state or a state across, you know, across the United States that would also, you know, that's jobs, 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 people that's jobs, jobs, jobs. That's what I'm saying. Infrastructure, whatever the infrastructure deal. We got it. Come on people. Absolutely. Um, so, well, sorry, just going back to my notes here. Um, so uh, do you have a hard time w- when you're like, when you're in these advisory boards, do you have a hard time uh, getting s- like some of these laws passed in the way that would be beneficial to both? Like, what are some of the hindrances that you find being um, being on these boards and trying to get these regulations amended and passed, et cetera? Yeah, it's, um, you know, so just, first of all, I'm just one voice of many. There are a lot of really amazing, powerful people who are advocating for change in Oregon. So I'm just happy to be part of the group. And um, it's, um, the challenges are, there are a couple really big challenges. One of them is that a number of our regulators, the people who work in our regulating body, still consider cannabis like some illegal criminal enterprise, running cartels and all of this stuff. So they treat us like that, even though we're following all the rules and we're licensed. So it creates this whole environment where it's the regulators versus the regulated. And Mm -hmm. it's um, so I'm working really hard on building better relationships there. But some of these people just that's just their impression. I mean, I had somebody tell me straight to my face, you guys are all criminals. I'm like, yeah, "Um, hello. No, I'm not. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but that's there's, how they treat us. There's some there's some news stories that would that would make make you a hypocrite, okay? Because mm-hmm. <laughs> y'all are criminals. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and you know stories coming out of California with like the raids at Jungle Boys, whatever, couple couple weeks ago. You know, mm-hmm. there's still this whole regulatory challenge of, um, you know, to me, a regulation should. Yes, protect protect the consumer, and you know we shouldn't be selling to minors. Like all of that stuff, I get, and I'm on board with. Yes. But but once we're past that and the safety, like it, re- they really should work towards building the business and having the industry operate in a way that is beneficial to everybody. And treating us like criminals just isn't going to get it there. Right. Uh, one of those things that they could do is allow us to put our money in banks. <laughs> I mean, you mean not dig holes in the backyard and bury piles I mean, of cash? What, what in the world? Like, it just, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't compute for me. Yeah. You want us to do this business. You want us to do it legitimately. You don't let us do the things that we need. Like, you don't allow us to do that. Yeah. You know, we can't do it. Fix it. You can fix it. Yep. Um. So how did you get, like, how, how did you go from, uh, and, and maybe there's like a conjunction with that, but how did you go from being uh, a patient, then a business owner uh, to then being on the, like, did, did it start in volunteering or like, where did you start in being on these advisory boards and uh, regulatory boards? Yeah. Um, it's interesting because I don't know if you've experienced this, but, you know, being a woman in business, I often, years ago, I often felt like I had to mute my voice. I, I, I was about to say, I don't know what you're about to say, but I'm going to say, yes, I have experienced <laughs> that. <laughs> so the older I get, the more I realize, you know what, I just got to let it out and just be me. And if I've got something to say, just say it. Not that it's always right or that it's always got to be the loudest voice, but like, like, you know, don't hold myself back. And, um, for me, that that whole thing was really, tr- I was really trained, you know, before just to just to keep your mouth shut and just do your job and to go along. So um, that's the other thing that cannabis has taught me is is like it's okay to just be real. And so I started volunteering and I'd speak up and um, you know just like hey, if I've got an idea, let me share it. I'll email five people who I think might want to know it, and 
hey, it may not go somewhere, but at least I let my voice out and give them some ideas and contribute to the industry in a way that's helpful. Right. And then, so um, are these like, are these elected positions that you're on or you're just? Um, There's different ones. Um, The, the ones with the regulating bodies are volunteer positions. So Mm -hmm. you have to get selected. Um, So I've been selected. It's not just open to anybody, but I think the reason I got selected is because I don't mind speaking up. I mean, in a respectful, kind way, of course, but, but Hey, if if I've got something to say, I'm going to let you know. And also you're the person in the room. We stress this so much. I keep coming back to this because we, I, I just, I want our audience to hear this. You can be this. You can do this. You can mm-hmm. do it. Yep. All you gotta, you gotta show up. You gotta be in the room. They've got to see your face and recognize your voice and know that you're going to come there and respectfully you're wrong. This is what's right. This is what we should be doing you know, respectfully, I had like, you know what I'm saying? Like you have to come, you can't, I listen, I know (laughs) y'all hear me on this show. I pop off on this show, but really when you're in those, those spaces, say what you have to say, don't mute yourself or water yourself down, but also remember your audience too, is I guess what I'm saying. Um, your audience, uh, well, we say language is very important, important, excuse me. Hydrate everybody. Uh, We say that language is very important. And, um, and so when you're, when you're in a, to me, and I, you, I, we're generationally the same. Uh, Everything you said was exactly how I've always felt until like now I'm 45 and I'm just like, you know what? Uh, this is actually what's going to happen. And I've been building that platform for the last several years, you know, Um, so, um, I feel everything that you're saying about that. Um, but to, so, so generationally speaking, when, uh, we were taught that, you know, certain audience requires certain language and a certain way that you put yourself together and et cetera. And listen, be who you're going to be, right? Dress how you're going to dress. I have red hair. I have a tattoo on my face. I'm doing my, I'm doing me. Right. But if I'm walking into a room of corporate people, I have to speak their language. They have to understand what I'm talking about. Once they understand what I'm talking about, we can get past all the other stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. But, um, but when you, when you go into these spaces, uh, use your voice and use it effectively. Make sure you know who you're talking to is, the, is my point. So if you're talking to some corporate people, you know, put on, put on your, put on your jacket and, and um, speak their language, use cannabis as your terminology, use, you know what I'm saying? Or their terminology and the regulations, speak to those regulations, know what you're talking about when you walk in the room kind of thing. And um, you know, but it is important to have our voices in the room because you guys are the patients too. I don't care how you use it. I don't care what, what market you're using it on. If you're, if you're getting underground market, if you're getting medicinal market, if you're getting adult use market, however you're getting cannabis, uh, I believe people medicate with cannabis. I believe that, you know, you might go home and have a glass of wine or, or, or a beer. I, do not I smoke blunt <laughs> right yep so um so you guys are the ones that are that are using this you're medicating and and for those of you that are here to just be supportive of the cannabis industry um then you know this is how you support us by showing up in those rooms especially now that we can show up again in those rooms and by like writing letters to your representatives telling them what you want um by um by by showing up in their offices Mm -hmm. you can do that you're allowed to go into the you're allowed to show up and talk to your representative you're allowed they can say i'm going to a meeting right now but you're allowed to show up and talk to them. And I think like you're such a good representation of somebody who just like 
I, I feel like it came out of necessity, but also like out of community. I think that's one of the things that, that is maybe hard for people who are like just in it for the business to see, because all of these things take time. It takes a lot of time and a lot of commitment to build that community and to build those relationships. And it, you know, sometimes you're like, okay, well, I've got 15 things I got to get done today. Boom, boom, boom. But, and it's easy to just check off the list because you can check it off and be done. But I think that building a business, especially in the cannabis industry is so hard that you've got to take the time to build a community. Um, so as an example, I've been working for years of, you know, like we talked about just being kind to the regulators and providing feedback and talking to them. And a week ago, the guy who is um, in charge of all of the regulators and in charge of all the inspectors for the state called me up and he said, Hey, Marianne, we've got a bunch of new inspectors. Can we bring them out to your facility to train them? And I'm like, yes, absolutely. Yes. So oh I've got like a dozen brand new regulators who were just getting trained. Like they've never even seen a cannabis plant and they're going to be going around doing inspections. But, so they need to know some stuff. <laughs> yeah. So I'm excited to me. That's like, yes, this, so all of that work and all of that time of just building relationships and talking to people and sharing, like that's how it pays off because now we have the chance to show these regulators, this is what a properly run facility looks like. And these are, this is what it should be. Right. You know, also it's so uh, funny because mostly we don't want them in our facilities, like get out, like mm -hmm. don't be here. You are inviting them in. You're like, come in here, come yeah. in here. Let's find some flaws. Let's, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, let's fix it. And you know what I'm saying? But um, I love that. I love that you're doing uh, an education program. Um, we are educators here at the Cannabis Closet as well um, in cannabis. And so we always, we love meeting other educators. So that's very exciting. Um, and I can't wait to hear more about that program. Uh, when, when you have it all together and you're ready to, to launch, you let us know and yeah, we'll, for sure. we'll, we'll let people know that it's out there. Um, we have some New York, uh, visitors from time to time on the show for sure. Um, but, uh, you're, you, I, I'm guests like you, you and guests like you, um, are really, uh, inspiring to me. I, I live in um, a small town and I used to, when I worked behind the counter, I was very, very involved. I would go to the council meetings, even when I stopped working in those spaces um, and then COVID happened. So I haven't been back in those spaces in a while and I haven't been like keeping up with uh, what's going on in my town. Um, but I, you know, so I need to do, you inspire, you're inspiring me. I'm going to go get on there and be like, mark it on the calendar so that I know what's going on so I can make the trek over downtown. You know, maybe, I, maybe I'll get an appetizer while I'm down there. Um, I'm, I'm pretty excited because I'm actually um, uh, working on a move to Denver and when I moved to Denver, there's like, there's so much going on in the cannabis space that is not happening here, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, I'm pretty, I'm pretty excited to, to be in those spaces and meet some of the kind of prominent people out in Denver that, um, that are going to, that are going to elevate my mind. Yeah. Colorado's <laughs> got some great stuff happening. Colorado's yeah. another great state. Yeah, it is. It well, you know, we could argue about that. Uh, yep. <laughs> we got we got good stuff happening, and we got not so good stuff happening. We feel um, very much like uh, like we're the medical the the patients, the medical patients are being uh, ignored, and and I think part of it is because we haven't been in those spaces. We haven't been where we need to be. Um, which is another reason I'm looking forward to being in Denver because that's, that's where like, you know, the, the state laws are being concocted. And, um, so, uh, but yeah, like, uh, you know, there's, they're putting all these weird, uh, uh, percentage limits on mm -hmm. patients and then, uh, uh, purchase limits are changing. Uh, but there's, there's actually a petition out about that. So, 
Um, there's some um, organizations like Normal and uh, uh, most likely, uh, gosh, why did their name just slip my mind? Uh, I'll think of it in a minute. <laughs> but and yell it out randomly. It yeah, yeah, I'll just random, <laughs> yell it out randomly. But um, but there's a couple of organizations working on getting those uh, regulations reversed. Uh, they just came out this year. And so, yeah, you know, we're, we're worried that, that the medical market is being destroyed on some level, mm-hmm. um, trying to push us into the adult use market. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Um, which means, what does that mean? So what you, so what you still have access, right? Okay. What that means is higher taxes, um, for the same, uh, product. They're the same product. You guys, they're, they're the same trust. I worked in their cultivation centers. They're the same product. Um, so I'm paying higher prices for the same product. Um, they don't, I don't have access to all of the same uh, products, uh, produced products. Because some products are only produced on the medicinal side. Uh, and, and, you know, the list could go on and on. But uh, we also have great cannabis laws. And we were one of the first to implement them. We were the first to go adult use and uh, our cops aren't raiding us like they're doing out in some of the California spaces still in 2022. I can't even believe it. They've been <sighs> anyway. Yeah. Crazy. Sometimes it's back two steps forward, one step backward. Everybody thinks when you go out West that uh, we have a more lackadaisical view on life. And there are some spaces where that's true, but not in cannabis, <laughs> not, not in the regulated air, not, well, not with regulators and not with people that are making it difficult for us to run businesses or obtain our, our medicine. Yeah. Uh, or, or any, or, I mean, any regulated thing. I mean, it's, it's kind of weird. Cause you think the people in California, generally speaking are lax. That's what you think about when you think about California. Right. Um, and on the West, mm-hmm. but then, but that's not how they're, but that's not how they're run. That's not how their, their representation, it looks, you know? Yeah. So I feel like you, you feel that in Oregon as well. Um, uh, seeing where there's like, uh, you know, the population is, is kind of chill. Uh, and, but the, but when you talk about the people making laws for us, uh, for our community, they are not, they are stigma, stigma, stigma. Yeah, we could go on and on about yeah. oh, <laughs> <laughs> rights, but um, yeah, yeah. Um, so, I don't know if you wanted to talk about um, our brand at all. Yes, I absolutely do. So let's uh, let's take. Some, thank you for that. Uh, let's take some uh, a segue to do that, and, uh, and then we'll take a commercial break and a smoke break. Perfect. Yeah, I can't join them. you in this smoke break because I'm at my parents' house actually. So virtually. <laughs> oh, she's 16, y'all. I know. Stuff, stuff the towel under the door. It feels like it. <laughs> oh, that's okay. I'll take. I'll partake for you. They'll partake for you as well. Perfect. That's uh, all and, we need. And then, and then, uh, we, you know, we won't keep you uh, much past an hour, um, so that you can go take a little break for yourself. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Tell me about your brand. I want to know all about this. Um, So you can see on the, whoops, that side. Um, So this, the, our brand is Alibi and this girl woman is an NFT that we purchased last year. And um, that's what we're leveraging now for all of our branding. We've just come out with um, uh, some pre-rolls, some joints in Oregon. I'm actually working with a company in Massachusetts. Hopefully we'll have these in Massachusetts soon. And, um, you know, then the sky's the limit in terms of where we can bring our brand to, but we're focusing on, um, beauty and like finding, like we were talking before of just kind of just chilling out and like, okay, look for something. It's so easy to get focused on the stuff that you have to do, like paying the bills and working and all that. But I think it's important to just take a moment and, and look for the beauty in life. And Mm -hmm. so that's what she represents to us is, you know, she's beautiful. She's sexy. She's cool. And like, just like 
just be beautiful for a moment. Yeah, I love whether that. or not you have have uh, armpit hair or not. She she made. Me- <laughs> <laughs> so you can have all the body hair you want. That's right. It's <laughs> <still> beautiful. <laughs> Um, I know nothing about NFTs. I'm going to have to learn this technology. I feel like, um, you know, when our parents realized that they were going to have to learn to do computer things. <laughs> yep. That's how, it's how I feel about NFTs. I'm like, I don't know if my brain can compute, but I'm going to give it a shot because in in my heart, I'm, I feel young. So let's, let's give it a go. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and I'm certainly not an expert. I kind of feel like I started at the same place, like, okay, what is this and why do I care? But, um, you know, the fact that it's, it's digital art. Um, so we, we bought it, we own it a hundred percent of it. And, um, so not only is she digital, but then we also have the rights for packaging, but the, the digital version, if you look on our website, her wings flap and the smoke moves. So it's just this captivating way that, that of, of art and looking at things and just, you know, having something beautiful around you. So we've actually put together a couple displays for some of our favorite shops in Oregon that have her animated. And so we're displaying her animated in the shop and people just love it. They're like, Oh, wow. What is that? I'm like, that was exactly what we wanted. Just, yeah. Just like take a moment, breathe and just enjoy the beauty. I love that. She is very beautiful, very captivating. And now that I know that the wings move and there's smoke, I am, I need one. I need, <laughs> I need one. Okay. Need we'll one. hook you up. We'll hook Ma- you up. Marla and MJ, listen, is Walter here too? I need one. I want one. I don't know what they cost. I don't know what to do with them. I don't know what they are, but I need one. And that's, I'm just saying that, you know, I'm one of those people. I like, <laughs> I read something once about the type of people, um, the type of people uh, that we are. And it was described in terms of um, the brand new iPhone. It's, mm-hmm. It was described in terms of that. So it was like, um, you are either the person that sleeps outside in a tent overnight, you know, camping out to be the first to get this brick thing. Okay. Mm-hmm. Or you are the person who, if, I mean, this is just in terms of it, iPhone purchasers, right? Okay. Like generally speaking though, this is how I think of it. Or you are the person that sits back and waits to see how that iPhone works for other people. Yep. And then you go buy your iPhone. And that I'm that person. I want to know <laughs> how's it work? What does it do? Should I do it? Is it worth it? Let mm-hmm. somebody else take it. Like let somebody else fail at it first. Kind of per- like also, I agree with the premise that don't do it first. In a lot of cases, there's some things that you do need to do first. Absolutely. But I was in this class about uh, medical uh, practices and procedures and stuff. And um, I don't remember what it was called. It was like a required class that I didn't need for my major. But the college like required you to take one of those offset courses. Yeah, one of the electives. Yeah. So it was one of those. And we talked about hair transplants and face transplants and like, I like all this stuff. We talked about all this stuff. And the one main message in that was don't do it first. Just mm-hmm. <laughs> don't be. So I, I, I mean, that was in college. Yes. But also that I feel like I sit back and like assess the situation and then go, mm-hmm. okay, that looks worth it. So I'm yeah. going to go do it. So yeah. that's kind of me. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And that's why I know nothing about NFTs. Well, and that's cool. And there's room for everybody. If everybody were the bleeding edge, then there would be no bleeding edge. I but, agreed. Yeah. Agreed. But so. now that I know that they work, I won't, I, or that they're a thing that people have and, and love and stuff. Yeah. I want one. And then, and then she said, all of our art needs to be NFT. I don't even know what that fucking, I don't know. You do it. I don't <laughs> I, look, I don't know what that means. Yeah, this a, talk thing. to me like you're talking to your grandma right now. <laughs> <laughs> There's this whole thing of this uh, board ape um, NFT line. So it's, it's basically just pictures, but they're kind of 
whatever, and going for hundreds of thousands of dollars. I know. She said uh, Mila Kunis just sold her NFT for like $8 million. Yeah. What? What? Yeah. I don't even understand it. And you're selling it for $8 million. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's this whole, like this new multiverse. So like, have you ever had a VR set on? I have not. You know what? I have. Listen, I'm going to tell you another story about something. <laughs> um, I have an aversion to them because I have severe anxiety and I uh, am always concerned that somebody's going to try to make a fool of me while mm -hmm. I'm not looking. So I yeah. will not. And also I watch a lot of Dateline and forensic files. So I'm also a little bit afraid it's 420, everybody on the West Coast. <laughs> I'm also a little bit afraid that somebody's going to come in and murder me while I'm not paying attention. <laughs> <laughs> That's awfully specific. Have you figured out how they're going to murder you? Because then maybe you just protect against that. I don't know. I don't know. I, was, I don't know. <laughs> it's the West Coast 420, everybody. Light them if you got them. And if you can, uh, if you're in your parents' house, stuff a towel under the door. <laughs> just pro tip. Get your vaporizer. It doesn't stick to the walls or something. <laughs> I'm making stuff up as I go. That's the best way. If we could divert really quick, I did have when when you were doing your um your talk about body hair, I was just laughing because um having gone through chemo, I had this period of time where I did not, you know, you lose all of your hair. Some people think, oh, you just lose the hair on your head. I'm like, no. How does chemo know whether the hair's on your head or your arm or it does not or your toes? It it doesn't. It's like everywhere, and um, so it was actually really crazy. It's the little things in life where you learn to appreciate your hairs, like your eyelashes. Yes. Like stuff would get in my eyes. I'm like, oh, or it was really hard to breathe because there's no hairs in your nose. They're like, I don't know. So, you don't even think about like, I was like, yeah, all your body hair is gone. You have hair in your nose, your ears, and yes, your eyelashes protect your eyeballs. Yo. Mm -hmm. Yep. So I'm totally with you. Whatever, where, whatever, wherever you are on the body hair, like just be you. It's good. It's all can good. I, can I say you can't be a fucking woman in life. Like you can't have no hair. You can't have all the hair. You can't. Like, uh -huh. <laughs> fuck all, all, fuck all the way off society. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> yes. All of your hair has reasons. Yep. Uh, just because you choose to shave it off, that's that's your choice. Yep. Uh, or wax it off, which or uh, laser I'm, or whatever. I am about to live that life because uh, shaving is for chumps. I'm sorry. I'm just <laughs> just a little joke. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, but but yeah, like whatever you choose to do. But like on the real, this this is how your body was created. It was done for a reason. <laughs> like, yep, for sure. There's reasons for all of it. Uh, we may have evolved out of some of those reasons. Um, but generally like your eyelashes are important. Mm -hmm. Your and your eye and your eyebrows keep you from looking crazy. So be careful. Because <laughs> <laughs> I lived in the 90s and them bitches were th Thin, thin, uh, like late nineties and the beginning of the two thousands. Mm -hmm. Ooh, did nobody have no eyebrows? <laughs> the people who did were bold. <laughs> they were like bold look. <laughs> yep. I I think I saw somebody say that Drew Barrymore was the only one that could pull that off. That's uh, probably true. <laughs> Uh, real quick before we uh, sign off, I just want to let you guys know that this show is brought to you by Queen Kitty Seltzers. Pop this kitty, Queen Kitty Seltzers, solo.to slash Queen Kitty Seltzer to follow us on our social media. This is our Queen Kitty Seltzer. We got it in bubblegum. We got it in uh, plain over here, and we got it in lemon as well. Lemon kissed. Uh, they are amazing. They are sugar-free. They are THC-free. They got 10 milligrams of CBD. Uh, they are um, all, it says on the, we put on the can that they're vegan. Y'all, it's water. <laughs> we, it's water. Um, so 
yeah, check it, check us out, check us out, solo.to slash Queen Kitty Seltzer. Coming soon, hopefully, to a store, uh, gas station, bodega, salon, etc. near you. Okay. Uh, we're also brought to you by uh, CQLLC, Cannabis Education and Consulting, www.cq-llc.com. Customer service, cqllc at gmail.com. You can reach us at 970-426-5985. We were approved in Colorado for responsible vendor training this year, y'all. So we're really excited about that. Uh, We are partnered with Greenflower Media for our online platform, and we have live classes coming soon, live online classes and live in-person classes as well. So keep your ear out for that. Uh, responsible vendor training is required for delivery drivers and hospitality workers in the cannabis industry. And while it's not a requirement for the rest of you, it is used in certain circumstances as a mitigating factor for an administrative violation. So it's highly recommended, highly recommended that you take it. And I'm a fun instructor, so you should take it from me. (laughs) And of course, uh, if you guys would like some King Palms and to get 15% off KPTCCP APR15, that's April 15, APR15, um, to get your 15% off, I'm going to change that code next month, so soon. And if you want to reach us, solo.to slash Canvas Closet 420, you can hang out with us on Discord. A lot of times we're there in our pajamas with no makeup on, talking about what's going on in our several businesses. So come join the conversation, smoke one with us. And, um, you know, if you contribute, we give you a shout out. We always do. Right, next, Right, Kelly? Right? Uh, who else is in here? Schnooks? Yeah, we give everybody a shout out. We love you guys. Um, thank you guys. Thank you for coming through, Marianne. You have been an amazing guest. You're so interesting. And I would love to have you come through, um, to talk more about Oregon in a future show. For sure. Happy to. This has been a ton of fun and I love it. Yeah. It's been so much fun. Uh, where can our, uh, listeners and viewers find you? Um, I'm pretty easy to find. Um, our website is alibicannabis.com. We're on Instagram, alibicannabis. Um, you can look for me on LinkedIn. I'm always happy to connect professionally. Look for Marianne Alibi and I am there. Um, I won't bother saying the last name because it's just long and confusing, but <laughs> Alibi is easy. And you can always ask, what's your alibi? Oh, I love that. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> oh my gosh. See? Oh, see, you just remind me because I just forgot. Like, I totally forgot to say what our tagline is because it's kind of all raunchy <laughs> and funny. And I, I love that, though. I love that little tagline. Ours is um, pop this kitty because it's a can and you pop it. And it's so because that's cool. Yeah. Uh, we're calling the our uh, cocktails kitty tails, too, because why? Because we don't have cocks. That's why. We, <laughs> listen. <laughs> I'll buy one today. <laughs> yeah. Um, You've been so much fun to have on. Thank you for coming through. Uh, You guys, as always, be nice to yourselves. Uh, Put your mask on before assisting others and cultivate love as always. Yours, mine, everybody. Um, And uh, stay lifted, you guys. I'm not smoking right now because I just put it over there. But, um, you know, uh, she's going to go hang out in her parents' driveway in about two seconds. So, <laughs> don't tell them. Don't tell them. Okay. I'll see you back behind the garage. <laughs> it's so funny. We're like, <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> it's like we're teenagers. I love you guys. Come hang out with, oh, we're off on Wednesday. We're going to be on a uh, fan band production. So I might come through and just remind you guys that we're going to be on the radio show, but generally speaking, we're not having a show on Wednesday because we're going to be in Denver doing a radio show. We'll be back on the following Monday and uh, I don't have my calendar in front of me. So I'll let you guys know who the guest is and uh, we'll see you. We'll see you soon. And we love you guys. And thanks for hanging out. You guys have been amazing guys, gals, everybody, you know, it's, it's a general term. I could call you something anyways. No, I won't. I love you. (laughs) Bye.